You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Dome. Okay, man. So you lose three straight. Look, we said this in the last podcast. We were on a bit of a high, but not taking it too serious. I think we even discussed in the last podcast. There's going to be some peaks and valleys. There's going to be some ups and downs. You lose three straight. You have, what, three litmus tests that you absolutely fucking fail. I guess you don't fail them, but you fall short of each one of them. You fail mega fail in Vegas, and then you fall short. Um, well, you know what? You mega fail against the Sharks, too. <laughs> but you fall short tonight. So, um, I think before we dive into anything, trying to keep this as sober as possible. Keep our composure! Gotta stay calm! You're my boy, Blue. We knew that this was going to happen. And look, honestly, in the Vegas game, personally speaking, before they even came back and made a game out of it, I thought they looked tired. I'm not throwing any excuses out there. I'm just throwing reality out there. There's been a lot of hockey played. And it, there's going to be some points in the season where there's going to be some fatigue. I, I think, uh, yeah. I think against the Sharks, yeah. they also look tired to me. They controlled aspects of the game and they ended up losing it in a very ridiculously painfully fashion, but we're used to it. And then tonight, they didn't look tired tonight. Um, they lose against the Canes. I'm not sure what the game breakdown is, but. It's probably pretty evenly matched. The Hurricanes are actually a really great team. This is another good lit- litmus test. I don't see how the fuck you lose that. And here's my problem with it all. Vegas, San Jose, as well as tonight against the Hurricanes, as well as the whole fucking season, how about? Because this has been a talking point. Where is the ability to will your team into a win? Where is the ability for one of these fuckers to be like, I'm taking over the game. Here's my go-ahead goal. No, just happens with Sebastian Alho. Just happens with fucking Matt Patrietti. Just happens with fucking Tomas Hurdle. Hey, these fucking guys are on teams. Well, I mean, we take the Sharks for one. They're on a team as they're not near we are in the standings, but they got players that can just fucking win a game. No problem. Johnny Gaudreau's been playing amazing. Matthew Kachuk's been playing amazing. Elias Lindholm's been playing good. Mangiapane's been playing great. Outside of that, 
I don't know, man. Where's the consistency? You have Matthew Kachuk again. Like there was what five shifts tonight where it's just like we're all over them. You should have probably scored three goals. You end up all over them. There's like five shifts where the puck was on the goal line and should have went in and didn't go in. And look, this will be the talking point because I think this is where we're at as a team. And I think we alluded to it on the last podcast. This was post-game Daryl Sutter against Vegas. One of the things he said was their top end is used to going a little bit deeper in a game, a little bit deeper, digging a little bit deeper, and it showed. And we just do not seem to have that extra gear, that fourth gear. Hey, this is this has been our talking point. Sure, when things are cruising, things are going well. Yep, yep. There was one game against Chicago. They imposed their will, and they went to that fourth gear. We saw that. We've seen it once all season long. We haven't seen it against against these these uh, upper echelon teams. So I think this is the talking point. It's just like at some point you have to win these games against these the best teams in the league. Yeah, know. like I we I was saying to you, I was like, why is every loss the same? It has been the same like this, right? He's like these close games where you lose in overtime or these close games where you just like can't find a way to get to that next level. Same exactly. How many times have we seen the game tonight that just happened? We've seen it like 10, 11 times this year. And honestly, especially, I, especially at home. Oh, fuck's even worse at home. But I really do think this is where we're at as a team. And this is the struggle we're facing. We knew there was going to be struggles. We knew there was going to be adversity. You're not going to cruise through 82 games. But this is where this team, this is their first big challenge. They need to find a way to win this game. They need to find a way to win the Vegas game. They need to find a way to win the San Jose game. They need to find a way to win one of those games. Well, even one of those periods. Going into the third period, we were just texting the third. It was like, you text me and you said, it's a must-win period. You have to win this period. They didn't win the period. No, you sure? Yeah, I don't. I, you know what? This is where game stats not good enough. It's not good enough if you. If it's you not have good enough to say chances. yeah, or and say like, oh, you play that game ninety nine times out of hundred, you win. Like, no, you need to win that game. No, because right. what we're seeing with this team, right? This is the last little bit of the terrible coaching in the last five years that's hanging on for dear life. Is that? They don't win these games that they're supposed to against the best teams in the league. Yeah, sure. They're winning the games against the, the average teams, the middle of the pack teams, which is good. That's a good thing. This is an all negative. But do you just want to have a good regular season, folks? Or do you actually want to win a playoff round and or a playoff fucking game for once? Well, that felt like a playoff game tonight. It was hard to watch it a lot of times. Two defensive teams going head-to-head. and The two best defensive teams in the league Yeah, is what they opened up with. Calgary is the number one defensive team in the league. Carolina is the second. It's a 1-1 game. But my, my frustration is, why didn't you win that? You had like eight opportunities to go up to one, and you couldn't bury one of them. Dude, you had five power plays tonight. Are they? I think they're over in their last three games on the power play, dude. They're one 
and six in overtime. Yeah, over five in the power play. And did you see? That's one thing. If your power play is getting a lot of looks, to get a lot of no, chances. no, 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 no. I didn't see anything tonight. The power and look, sure, yeah. Hurricanes have what the third best PK in the league. But my God, dude, you have five power plays. Not only do you not score, you generate dick all. What? Why can't? Why do they suck in overtime? Let's figure this out for a minute here. Like, what the shit is going on? Well, I think what you're seeing from the contrast of when they were good in overtime, because good remember, when they were fucking great. Remember when we were we went from best to worst? I believe but, I believe before last season, because I was all bummed out about TJ Brody leaving. The best, most productive three-on-three grouping in overtime since three-on-three had been um, initiated in the league was Brody, Monahan, and Gaudreau. They scored like the most amount of goals of any trio in the league. They're fucking unbelievable for years. Well, your biggest problem starts with the NIM. Right? I would say your biggest problem in overtime starts with an R. <laughs> no. Zem, dude. Rasmus Anderson should not sure. be on the power play or sea ice in overtime ever. Period. End of story. I, listen, I agree. But if you're going back to when we were good, the biggest thing we don't have now is Monan can't even play a three on three. <laughs> fucking absolute liability. Five on five. He can't even fucking play on the outdoor rink. He can't even play scrimmage in practice. Actually, he was. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he sucks or if he's getting better anymore. I have no clue. Well, you know what? He played his best game of the game of the league, of the season with with Coleman, and um, then Daryl splits him up, and he looks pretty oh meh again, to be honest. But okay, three on three. The biggest difference I've noticed is that when they were not even good, they were great. They were trying to win and score. Yeah, they're I so have, passive right now. It's ridiculous. We, we never used to be the team that was like, nah, we'll just bring it back into the neutral zone. Yeah, that always pisses me off. No, we were like, thank God we're not that team. We're actually exciting to watch all the fucking time. But no, now we're more concerned about, oh, we don't want to make a mistake. And I get it with the personnel on there. I don't fucking want you to make a mistake either, but. But they are making mistakes. I think that's the other problem is like you get Backlund and Rasmus Anderson out there making absolute bonehead plays and passes with the puck. So not only are they trying, not only are they trying to like play passive and avoid mistakes, they're also making mistakes. Terrible decision making in overtime throughout this season. I, that goal tonight, I just, I don't, I didn't think that was a good goal, man. Sebastian Ajo. First off, he gets a little bit of room, and then, I don't know, I think Markstrom was the biggest issue for me. What the fuck was he doing? Oh, that was weird, because he, like, speeds in there, and, of course, all the dumb flames can't figure out what's going on. Ooh, he's going to tool. But I don't know what happened to Markstrom. Like, I, it was a fan shot, so it was kind of weird. But he was, like, out of his net by the time the puck was in. It was weird. Yep. You know, what's funny is because... Three on the third power play of the night. After the first two looked like ass, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, if you don't score on this third power play, the power play is probably going to lose you the game. And that was before power play number four and, and power five. play number five late in the game. 
So where are we at with the power play? I have a bigger issue with the power play. Than yeah. With the fucking three out of three overtime because this has been a fucking issue for years. Totally. And you have a, you have a new coaching staff coming in and the power play fucking formation doesn't change. Well, I don't get it. Who's in charge of this fucking thing. And the thing is like, again, like we're going like, Oh, three on three, blah, blah, blah. Everybody else is like, Oh, you play that game a hundred times. You win it all the time. Blah, blah, blah. Good effort. Blah, blah. The power play stunk. And it lost you the game. And that's the reason you lost. End of story, period. The common thread that we can pull in the last 10 games is that you're not winning those games 99% of the time. Yeah. Because, yeah, you, exactly. Right. No, you're not. Because you do not have the ability to take your team over the edge. And you it's do not what, have the scoring talent up front. It's what Daryl Sutter is saying. The top end is not used to going a little bit deeper. They're not. We couldn't keep up with Vegas's top end. We should have been able to, but we're not, we're not used to it tonight. Same fucking thing. You well, dude, how, how many, yeah. How many guys were out of the Kings lineup tonight? Like three or four or five regulars. They got their weird COVID shit going on. Like, come on, come on, man. That seems like 80% of the games we listen and watch. Yeah. The other team is dealing with COVID protocol and there's some big names out. <laughs> so does that mean when we have guys finally out on COVID protocol, we're going to win every fucking time? Oh my time? God, I don't even want to imagine what our lineup looks like on COVID protocol. The thing is though, like that was a, yeah, fuck dude. You can't, you need to score goals to, to win in this league. And the problem with the Flames right now is if you score more, if you score three goals, you beat them. I think this is where we're at, um, and this could be a good thing, right? We're at a threshold. If you study whatever the fuck you want to study, success, and you want to study hockey, whatever it is, I'm just pulling from what Daryl Sutter is saying and applying it to my general knowledge of this whole threshold business. This team has the capability to go to another level, and this is where they're at. In all these games, they're just barely falling short with. It's the same fucking paradigm replaying itself over and over and over again. That's why it frustrates us. It's fucking Doctor Strange dormamuing. It is. That's why it's frustrating as fans. Because you're sitting here being like, when? When are they going to break through? When are they going to win this game that they should have won? When are they going to tie up the game that they should have won against Vegas? Right? But Daryl Sutter is saying, over this, like again, this is his number one theme. We're, we're at a point, you and me, where we pretty much watch every single interview with Daryl Sutter. You know, because we have this podcast and because we want to give as much analysis as we can, we're listening to everything he says because what he says is fucking pretty bang on, like 98% of the time. His main theme is this team, he said over and over again. That it's a process for a lot of these guys. The thing that he said after the Vegas game was, it's a good thing. And this is where we have to, we have to hold, we have to hold the line, I guess, because the only way this team is going to break through is if they actually break through that threshold and actually go to another level. And they're getting the test over and over and over again. They keep falling just a little bit short, just a little bit short. 
We saw him break through in the Chicago game. That was it. That was the only game of the season that actually broke through. But Daryl has been stressing this. We've been talking about it a lot on this podcast is that it's a process for these guys to play the right way. And he knows he's got to utilize everybody, but it starts from the top end of the team and they have to be able to go deeper. They got to go a little bit longer and a little bit deeper. That's their big fucking thing. They got, they got to do. I mean, the power play is fucking a big part of that. And they're, they're used to like tonight would be a big old pat on the back from old buddy guy, Jeff Ford or old buddy guy, Glenn Gullison. So hey, the last three games. Yeah. What they're used to is getting themselves jerked off after a game like that, as opposed to being like, yo guys, we got to win that shit. Yep. Exactly. You, uh, after the last three games, those last two games on the road trip, you lose against Vegas, you lose against San Jose, you lose tonight against Carolina. Jeff Ward's waiting there with Vaseline in the dressing room. <laughs> hey, who's first tonight, boys? Hey, what a difference. You gotta keep perspective, baby. Hey, baby, you just gotta keep perspective, man. All turn seasons turned around. Nothing's turned around. Yeah, what are you turning around from? Hey, <laughs> you haven't even fucking turned. So Daryl Sutter is still like as as long as he, I continue to listen to him and he continues to know what he's talking about, I continue to not be worried because we knew there was going to be challenges. We knew you're going to go through stretches like this. And look, you just played two of the probably top five teams in the league in Vegas and Carolina and Carolina. You did okay. You, you were just so fucking close. You were so close. And if this team just could find the wherewithal to push themselves, they could be a top five team. Right now you're a top 12. Yeah, and we knew there were going to be stretches like this specifically related to inability to score goals, most notably, and that's kind of what we're seeing, so... I just don't get it, man. Look at the amount of chances we had tonight. And it's just like, dude, like, could could half the listeners not fucking finish? Well, again, like, how, are you surprised that Noah Hannafin fucking misses a penalty shot? <laughs> That's surprising to you. Well, you knew he wasn't going to score on the penalty shot, but then you didn't expect him to score later in the game. You're but... surprising Matthew Kachuk blows a friggin' chance in the slot like four feet over the net. Uh, Jacob Slavin is a hell of a defenseman, though, and made a great play on that. Uh, okay, that play on Dubé. First off, it should have went in the first time when it hit the post. And then secondly, who was that? Uh, that wasn't Slavin. That was, that was somebody else pulling the puck out of there. But it was going to go off the post and in. And then whoever the fuck that demon was, toe drags it. I think it was slaving, the, wasn't it? Was it, was it slaving on both? Regardless, was, maybe it was. was. Great play, regardless. But still, I don't give a fuck if you got robbed. You scored yeah. one fucking goal and yeah. you had five power plays. Exactly. We, too many times we hear the, oh, it's just bad luck. If Oh, just terrible luck again. The Flames, done. it's like, no. Oh, you got goalied again. Like, are you going to, again, like you're saying, like, are you going to, how are you going to feel if that's game seven of a playoff series? It's like, fuck, we just, oh man, just shit luck and we got goalied. Like, you're going to be pissed. You got to win that game if that's a playoff game. You didn't win that game. The power play 
absolutely loses you the game tonight. I don't know at what point do you fucking do something about it. You got to change it, man. Like, Erasmus Anderson cannot be on the power play any longer. I know he's back there collecting all these points, but the dude needs to, like, I don't know if I've ever seen a defenseman who plays top power play minutes with less offensive instincts, especially when it comes to shot, shot placement, shot timing, when to shoot, when not to shoot than Rasmus Anderson. How many um, PP1 defensemen in the league have zero goals? I'm curious. <laughs> and what he's been close I mean, this guy's the post and crossbar master. Well, but. goddamn, like that play he makes tonight where he's in the slot and all he's got to do is shoot it. And he like goes into the corner. I Guy, what are you doing? And then like he's either doing that, like he'll have a wide open net and elect not to shoot. And then when the flames are finally set up, he'll blast it from way downtown, like right into the old crest. And I'm that that Anderson on power play has to end. Now it's not like you have a lot of better options. Um, like really, you don't have a lot of better options. But what does he give you on PP one? What what does he give you honestly? Like if you're gonna sit there and be positive, what does Anderson provide? Yeah, and I would say, well, he's a right shot that gives you an option for a one-timer, but they don't ever fucking utilize one-timers. No, this team uh, is the opposite of one-timer utilization. So I guess he's good at like holding the line, but that's kind of it. Is he though? So he's okay. I, he's okay at all. It's honestly a right-hand shot thing probably. And they don't even utilize his right-hand shot. All right. Well, I mean, okay. I don't want to spend too much time on it because we've bitched about the power play. At nauseum. It's still eighth in the league somehow, but again, when it's losing you games, it's a problem. Hey, it's not gonna it's not gonna remain top ten if you keep going over, yeah. over, 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 night after night after night. But why can't like hey, this is the last time I want to say this. Why can't they have a one-time option? And what purpose does Sean Monahan provide? And it's not even his fault. He's just told to float in the high slot and just wait for the one at every 20 times that he might get that one bump back play. Like he's just a touch player. Like all he's there for is to like, I, I don't get it. He just circles in, kind of touches it, moves it out. Like I, I honestly do not understand. You may as well be playing four on four with Sean Monahan out there. My biggest thing is I don't want to sit here and talk about what they need to do differently because we're just repeating ourselves. But when the fuck do they make yeah. an adjustment? At what point? And I don't know who runs it. Is it McLean or uh, no. is it Kirk? Kirk Muller, I believe. Kirk Muller. Like, I don't understand why you can't even like, this is something they used to do. And this is when Ward was actually running the power play under Bill Peters is they would just flip the wingers from time to time. That's a simple adjustment. Lindholm and Gaudreau would switch sides every now and again. I think it was Boston I was watching the other night. Oh, dude. They do one play where Marchand has it on, like, let's say you're watching the game and the cameras from where you're watching it. Marchand's on the close boards. He brings it up, and then he dishes it to McAvoy, and then Marchand doesn't go back to the half boards. He pivots, and he backpedals 
across to the far side and it just opens up so much play. And now he's available for the one time and now everybody has to adjust. The whole fucking box has to move. And it, like uh, my biggest thing is when the fuck are they going to make some changes? I guess if they're 8%, they don't bother. I mean, you go over five though. You'd think you'd see some sort of change. Yeah. I mean, just fucking give like one time, like make a goddamn one time option. All right, let's go through. You got game uh, report for tonight? Yeah, like, I mean, tonight was a really close game. Again, like, I thought it was like a playoff game. Um, but it was kind of – didn't you find it, like, hard to watch a lot a lot of the night? I thought when the Flames were down one nothing, I was like, fuck, this yeah. is brutal. So, pretty low event, 37 shot attempts for the Flames. Carolina's 30. Um, scoring chances are 16 for the Flames, 17 for the Canes. High danger chances, five for the Flames, six for the Hurricanes. So, like, it, hey, holy. or no, six oh, for the Flames, five for the Hurricanes. So, pretty, pretty tight checking game. Again, the power play would have won you this game, but one power play goal would have won you the game. That's it. So, super tight game. And Carolina was just like a little bit fast. Yeah, it's exactly what you said. They're a little bit faster. They had a little bit deeper. They could, they went a little bit deeper. Like they play probably a similar style to the Flames that really up tempo, move the puck up the ice, tight checking game, and they just kind of bested them. Right. Well, post game, Daryl seemed to be okay with the loss. He said that. The Canes are the favorites to win the cup, or at least one of them. And then he said, we had some tired guys tonight and showed on our PP for sure. So that's the other thing I want to throw out there is like, we know that the the schedule has been grueling. Terrible. There's no denying it. You, I'm tired of watching. Fuck. I I have watched barely any over the last two weeks because it's like every fucking night they're playing. So imagine what they're like with all the fucking travel. Um, but I still have a problem with them not being able to, they, at some point, I'm not saying they won't do it, but this is where this team is at. At some point they need to break through the threshold, right? It's just, you, it's not, it's not good enough just to be close in these games anymore. You have to start winning more than 50% of these games. They're this close. They're that are there for the taking. You need to find a way. And this is what Daryl has been stressing. Now I know look, he's saying it. We know it. We can see it. There's a lot of fatigue. This team is not used to being in shape, let alone learning how to play games when they're fatigued and being close in games. So, like he keeps stressing, it's a process. It's a process. But the biggest um I mean, positive note I have with this whole perspective is just that every time I listen to Daryl, yeah, he is so dialed in and it doesn't even fucking matter. He will, he will get everything out of this team and it might, Hey, if it could very well come down to Brad tree living, hasn't constructed a good enough team. I mean, we've been harping on that for years, so that could be the end problem, but at least we will know. Right. It's not going to be this. Oh, no, it's the fucking player's fault. It has nothing to do with the coaching it has nothing to do with the general manager. Weird how that that effort 
uh, narrative has just completely gone away. Well, fuck. After one of the games, Darrell says, no, it wasn't an effort thing. Not even close. Hey, what's that voice? It's kind of like the Bubbles voice you do, eh? It's just like, couldn't be the fuck coach. You couldn't be the fuck general manager. Eh? Gotta be the page, eh? They're just not working hard enough. So, the bad news is, well, the good news, the bad news and the good news is this, they have to start winning these games regardless of uh, fatigue and whatnot because it does not get any easier over the next week and a half. Holy shit. No, but... If the the message is clear enough, and I mean, hey, I've been watching some of the, the a lot of the pregames with pregame interviews with Daryl, and um, before this game, Daryl had said that the the coaching staff had elected to give these guys instead of practicing, give them days off. So pregame tonight before the the Kings, I think this was yesterday. Daryl's saying they haven't not been practicing by choice. The coaching staff has made a choice to give them some rest, which they probably need. The schedule's been fucking grueling. But then he also says it's up to the individual players to be prepared to play, which means they have a lot more visual meetings. They have meetings about what, what the, you know, the game executions should be, but Holy fuck. Do did they look like they should have had a practice on the power play? At least Holy shit. Tonight. Well, I mean, it, I felt like it. they were pretty slow. They were really sloppy, and, like, they couldn't even make a pass tonight, it seemed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, Backlund. <clears throat> but. When can he ever make a pass? Yeah. <laughs> they looked. Um, I I just can't look at one player tonight and be like, man, that player really was good tonight, really was sharp tonight. Like, I mean, I think Daryl put it best um about the, after the San Jose game saying like the defenseman looked like they were playing an exhibition game. Yeah. I didn't think that D I think there were better tonight. A lot of the guys on the back end, but man, they still looked pretty out of sorts. Like, I mean, Shillington, I don't know what he's been doing the last few games, but man, he looks, he's just all over the place. Um, yeah. He's starting to try and do too much. I think. Yeah, totally. They, they looked like they needed a practice day. They looked not sharp. To, they know they weren't sharp enough tonight. Yeah, and maybe Daryl, that's a learning experience for him. He says, okay, this group, fuck them. Give them a practice day. They obviously, and he said, it's up to the individuals if you get the day off. You have to have your own preparation. I don't think we saw any type of preparation that would have led to execution tonight. That was the biggest thing lacking in tonight's game was execution. Mm -hmm. Totally. I mean, you touched on this. This is post-game against the Sharks. Daryl says that our defense had a really rough night. And the goaltender had trouble in traffic and trouble with rebounds. That was the first game. This is the Sharks now. The first game in the season that Vladar did not shut the door. Yeah, he wasn't He wasn't great. But, I mean, that those the, the boys in front of him. <laughs> Holy smokes. Yeah, not great, eh? Not great, guys. Like, I mean, like I said, like a Shillington looked like a cokehead out there on against the Sharks. He's just like, I'm like, dude, like, stop stick handling so much and just play hockey. Good Bro, lord, just chill out. Hey, I don't blame the guy. He's been riding the pine for five years, right? He finally gets a little bit of a regular spot. 
the thing was he they even knew him and Tana were saying that post game after Vegas that some of the late errors in the game was because they were trying to do too much because they were pressing. He's got that's his problem tonight and against San Jose. But yeah, you're right. He looks fucking off. Shillington does. Yeah, and I mean the Branson's Zadorov pairing kind of got exposed the last few games. So Zadorov made some fucking nice Oof. fucking body checks tonight, though, eh? And he had that sick uh he takes the puck hard to the net, almost scored. That was sweet. Well, you yeah, it looked like it was almost until you saw the replay. And yeah, and it wasn't even close. Backland probably would have shot it closer, but <laughs> well, and I know Daryl was critical of the D, but oh, fuck, dude, like Backland and Coleman are doing shit right now. Like, are they actively making the team worse the last three games? Pretty much. So this is interesting. After the Sharks, Daryl at the podium, he's getting asked about the game, and Daryl pretty much just straight up six defensemen, which is all of them, played like it was an exhibition game. So, uh, yeah, I think this is Brendan Parker. This is after the Sharks game. He asked Daryl, hey, Daryl, you know, you know, six, what was it, 6-5 loss? 5-4 loss? What was it against the Sharks? 5-3. 5-3? Oh, yeah, empty under eh? Brendan Parker says, hey, do you chalk this up as just, you know, one of those games? Daryl shakes his head. No. Disappointing. Disappointing and missing nets, missing assignments, turning pucks over. They got to be better than that. And I just can't help. You brought, you made this point earlier. I can't help but think, what would Jeff Ward? He would, he would say, he would be in the coach. He's a coaching uh, players coach. He'd be in the players' corner, right? But, oh, he'd be in that. I don't know what the fuck to say corner as well. But after these games, Vegas, San Jose, I guess tonight is when he flips the script, right? When you, when a lot of fans after tonight's game, Canes want to pile on. That's when Daryl would be like, no, we're good. It's all good. Yeah. Um, I, the thing is, I'm not mad I'm right now. I'm just, uh, <laughs> It's like the parents saying, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Like Daryl said, I am. I'm annoyed with something. If you're looking at this team in this season, you're like, okay, well, if it is true that this is a tipping point for these guys, that they're going to need to find a way to get over the hump in the majority of these games. Cause there's going to be plenty more of these. You heard it against Vegas. If Pete DeBoer pregame is saying, yeah, this is a really good test for us tonight. If we are now a really good test for some of the best teams in the league, then things have changed and you're going to need to find a way to win the majority of these games because even the lowest of teams are going to be up to play you. And I think this is really, we're going to see this. This is kind of the tipping point for this team is, we're going to have to find a way. And my biggest point on this is like, you bring in a guy like Coleman. Apparently, he has all this fucking Stanley Cup. He won two cups, right? Two cups, all this experience, hey. knows how to win, yada, yada, yada. Paying a fucking premium for his fucking two Stanley Cups. He's the type of guy that you would expect 
to lead the way to show you're paying a fucking premium for it to show these guys how to get over this fucking hump. Who else is going to do it? Like, I think I texted you. I can't remember what game. It might have been the Vegas game, but it was like, they isn't, aren't those games like tonight would have been a r- perfect time for a Coleman goal? Aren't, isn't the reason he's here with that pedigree and that shit for games like tonight? Isn't he the guy who's supposed to be like leading them in games like tonight or where he has the goal, the big goal you're talking about? Maybe he should be on PP1 instead of Monahan. Fuck, anybody should be on PP1 instead of Monahan at this point. Like, I hate to bring it up because I don't want to fucking sound like a broken record, but at what point, who on the fucking choking coaching staff makes a change to PP1, makes a change to PP2? PP2 looks fucking brutal tonight, too. Oh, his rank so bad. Well, Hannah, I don't think Hannah <laughs> should be on the power play either, but I guess your, your options are slim. All right, let's go through some game stats. You covered um, Carolina. Let's go back to what, Vegas. Let's go back to Vegas. Oh, God. The Flames got absolutely wrecked against Vegas. Like, not a good game. And I mean, again, like honestly, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of felt more annoyed tonight than I did against Vegas, even though they, they got crushed against Vegas. That was kind of like, oh, they're tired. They're playing Vegas. And they almost still hung in there. So, so I don't know. I wasn't too mad about this loss, even though the Knights had 12 high danger scoring chances to the Flames, too. No way. Shot attempts 48 to 39, scoring chances 21 15. But yeah, that was a that was a rough night for the Flames. I mean, I'm watching that game. We didn't look great. I thought we sat. This is the first game all season we've sat back and let the other team dictate. For the first 45 that we let sat back and let Vegas dictate for 45 minutes. I thought they looked tired. I mean, good for them for making a game out of it out of the end. Rass has the goal line dribbler. Chucky hits the crossbar. We almost tie it up. Yeah. Like so close. And you know, they look tired. That was like the most tired they've looked all season until the fucking Sharks game. Yeah, like I, I was more pissed off by the Sharks game than the Hurricanes game than it was the Vegas game because you blow that 3-1 lead. Yeah. Fuck me, that's annoying. You had it right in the bag. You shut it down. Isn't that what you're supposed to be good at is shutting it down? I mean, they dominated the Sharks. Absolutely dominated. They had the puck all night. Flames had 69 shot attempts to the Sharks 43. Like 31 scoring chances, the Sharks 25. Like, they had 16 high-danger scoring chances, but they allowed the Sharks 10, and the Sharks buried them. So, I don't know. I think the Sharks game is the most annoying to me because you had it, and you blew it. Yeah. And they're the weakest out of the three. Exactly. You don't get any, you get zero points against the Sharks. And you've lost you've lost two games to the Sharks. In interdivisional games, Daryl's been talking about how important those are. Yeah, that was the one post go, post game where Daryl's just like <laughs> Yeah, he was he had it. Yeah. D man looked like it was an exhibition game, all six of them. Goaltender wasn't good enough either. 
Yeah, and I'd throw like pretty much. Well, you know, like I get these. They just kind of they let the foot. I don't know what it was. If they let the foot off the gas. If they were tired, and it was just a mental break for 15, 25 minutes. Well, and I think it is. I mean, you're gonna have this. Is the thing is, you're gonna have it's the NHL. The Sharks are a really mature, experienced group, man. Like they're they're not gonna give up. Well, shit, Eric Carlson was great in that game. Was he? Because uh, Rick Ball and Kelly Rudy couldn't talk about how bad he was until he was good. Dude, so. I want to be as happy as Kelly Rudy is calling hockey games. That's my goal in life. <laughs> having a great time. Just a gay old time up there in the box, yeah. eh? Just having a hell of a time. All right, let's rip through. Um, let's finish off on the Vegas. Let's do game by game here. Um, I want. I do want to discuss this because pregame against Vegas, Daryl Sutter is talking about that the the building in Vegas has built an identity for itself. The crowd is super loud. They're super engaged. I don't know if you saw or watched this or heard this. But he did say that we've talked about restoring that at the Saddle Dome, which I do find interesting because it was the last was one of the last few podcasts we're talking about how dead the dome sounds at most of the time. Daryl talks about this a lot. Like he was even talking about it um, in the San Jose game too. He was like, "This, this is a great rink to play in." It is something he brings up a lot more than other coaches. Um. So it's interesting. I think it's an interesting talking point. But don't you find it interesting that Daryl has said that, that we've we've talked about trying to restore that to the album? Yeah. And you know what? He's fucking right. Because back in the day, it was electric. And not probably like what? When, when was the last season it was like, holy shit, and bonkers in there? Like I want to say the last the last time I remember it being like because you can tell on TV even if you're not physically there. You can it was tell. quiet. Like yeah, and like remember when it was like it was just red as shit. And I think the big I think um, the last time I really remember this was like 2008 or nine, and when Jerome McGinley like beat the shit out of Willie Mitchell. Yep. Like that's game four, five, six of the season, and it was just like fucking nuts in there. Packed to the packed, loud, insane, just absolutely wild atmosphere. How about the game where it's Torts and Hartley, the coaches, and there's the line brawl, and then Torts and Hartley are going at it? Or was that in Vancouver? That was in Vancouver, but I mean, those some of those Hartley days game, Hartley days games were wild in the dome too. Hurley didn't fuck around either, eh? No, he didn't fuck around. No way. Dude, dude, remember when he scratched Gaudreau and Monaghan? And Col- after the, or after was the, it Colborne? No, it wasn't Colborne. No, it was Boma. Uh, yeah, Boma, after they got, like, drunk on Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Holy shit, that was epic. But That's funny. Yeah, the Dome sucks these days. And I think it's beyond being less than capacity because of other circumstances. It sucked for a while. I just thought it was interesting that uh, Daryl is mentioning it and that it's, it's apparently part of the game plan is restoring that not only 
Because, hey, you've been hearing about this identity thing for all season long. I mean, if you're listening to Hockey Night in Canada, BX is talking about it nonstop. The whole team identity with Calgary, Daryl's been talking about it. The, when it comes up for Daryl, it's when lately, I mean, before the last three games, apparently, I don't, I don't know, I haven't heard this from any opposing team, but apparently opposing team, their media coverage is saying that Calgary is one of those teams that if they're playing the team that you cheer for, don't bother watching because they're going to frustrate you and you're not going to score much. And when the media asked Daryl about this, all he said is, yeah, we're trying to build an identity. So I just find it interesting that not only is he building an identity for this team and you're, you're actually seeing results and you're seeing it translate into something. It's not some cliche thing. Oh yeah. Like what the fuck was our identity under Ward? Oh, defense. I want to play D. You saw it out. Scoring team. We got to play defense. Motion, higher levels. It's got to work hard. Hate to lose. But not only is there a team identity, there's apparently a fucking identity for the saddle belt that he wants to restore. So, but like you said, I know that what is it? There's there's COVID restrictions. It's not going to be full capacity, but I don't know if there's a big difference. There's probably a big difference. The states has higher capacity. Is that well, correct? Yeah, I think so. Um, there's been some good, we've played in some good buildings and some good crowds in the States. Have we, have we been in Nashville yet? Not yet. We'll be there soon, right? Nashville's always wild. Um, but you know what? Like maybe that's why he likes having guys like Zadorov. <laughs> Cause like when Zadorov pegs guys, the crowd goes nuts. Honest to God. When was the last time you've seen a defenseman drill somebody more than once in a game. When was the last time? Robin or gear? Like, seriously, it's back to a gear. When's the last time this team has had a hard, like, not even a hard hitting, but a punishing defenseman? And when Zadorov laid out his third biggest hit of the game tonight, I even thought to myself, I'm like, you know what? I will take a couple of turnovers here and there, as long as they're not fucking game breakers. For a guy that will actually go out and dictate physically like that. Yeah, and I don't even mind Zadorov. I know everybody's like, oh, fuck, does he suck? I mean, like, he's playing in a third pairing, right? Um, I haven't... Him and Gabranson were bad the last couple games. Yeah, they've been bad, but I don't really have a huge... I think he's still been okay, given his role. I don't think that... I think him and Gabranson on the same pairing is a problem and will continue to be a problem over the long term. But I think Zadorov would be fine if he had a solid partner. And again, throughout his career, he's been pretty good, pretty good, very good defensively. So I'm not too worried about Zadorov. I, uh, I, I still am okay with him for the most part. And when he hits guys and finishes guys like that, it's just an extra added bonus for me. Yeah, I like, agree. Because he has he like he has he been that bad. I've been fine with Zadorov way more than I thought I was going to be. Like, way more. Tonight he wasn't that bad. I think his worst game was Vegas. And I think his second worst game was San Jose. Like, those two games, he was bad. And that was right after Val Mackey had gone down. And you're saying to yourself, oh, fuck. Where's Val Mackey? 
But I mean, like my biggest thing is, hey, if you're looking at um, down the road at a trade deadline acquisition, we can't, we can't, we have no cap space. Yeah. To bring any. So you're going to have to move a guy like Zdorov. I don't know if Brad does it, but at what point do you say, okay, we need to bring in, you know, at the time, what was it? Nyquist? At the time, like you need like someone that's under four mil that actually just, he's just like Manju playing, just scores goals that you can actually throw them in the lineup. Because I mean, like, what else are you going to do? Like, at what point do you want to bring in Val Mackey and say, look, you're going to fill in this hole. I guess you're not going to get that physicality though, but I don't know. Do you, would you rather roll with what we have? No. <laughs> no, like, honestly, if we had to trade Zadorov, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I'm just saying, like, I haven't minded him in his role. Um, but they do need to, like, dude, this team needs goal scoring so fuck. Not even goal scoring. They need skill up front. Like, holy shit. It's, it's due time. And that's, like, come on. Like this, this is ridiculous. This, how, what are they going to do if they can't score goals and Coleman's not scoring? Coleman has four fucking goals. Zach Cassian has more points than Blake Coleman. Coleman and Monahan and Backlund and Dubé aren't scoring. You need to get somebody who can score goals up here. Like, holy shit, dude. Damn. Like tonight was another perfect example of like, okay, imagine if Thomas Hurdle was on your team tonight. Oh, fuck. So. I don't know what yeah. they're gonna do. Yeah, it's a combination, right? Like we're talking about what Daryl's talking about, where there's a threshold you got to push through. The top end's got to figure it out because that that is true. Unless Brad goes out and fucking addresses something other than character guys and toughness for once, then then it is true. The top talented part portion of this team. Front and back end. Like I agree um, with your, I agree with your the the part about Zdorov making the money, but I think in terms of usefulness and where this team's uh, cracks and faults are, like I kind of have a bit more of a problem with the forward group than I do with like Zdorov. Like, uh, all things being equal, I think having a fourth line that's getting caved in every single night in Lewis Richardson and whoever is probably more problematic than what Zdorov's doing. So I think those are areas you need to address. The problem is you probably can only address them if you trade as a door off. Yeah, I don't know, man. Brad, I, does Brad seem like he has a good grasp of what's happening? On the dude, dude I where is, I don't even, I even see him. It's been a nice, I don't have to see his dumb face and hear his dumb bullshit on the radio that much, but. I don't know. He has to see this, like, right? Like, I think I think the pressure's still on him. If this team gets ousted in the first round again, he's still in trouble, I imagine. Everyone, we'll get back to the show in just a moment. Just a quick word from our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. This one is for all you NFL fans. DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and they have a wicked promotion going on right now at Sportsbook. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win 100 bucks in free bets. It's really easy. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get on the NFL action with Daily Fantasy. Everybody can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving away to new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So all you gotta do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use the promo code THPN, 
bet $1 on any team to score and win 100 bucks in free bets. They score, you score with promo code THPN. This week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You got to be 21 years of age or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. There's a minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. So he's... I, I can't... Honestly, he can't not unless he's really dumber than we think he is. Dude, I wouldn't put it past. I wouldn't put it past him. Okay, so post game, this is Vegas. Daryl says it's a hard fought game. 100% okay with the effort. He says that Vegas is a little bit more battle scarred. And that was the difference. And I would have to agree. Right. It comes back to this whole concept of like, you had opportunities in the last three games. If you're the Flames in the last three games that you lost, you had opportunities to take leads, tie it up, take control. And what did we see? We saw multiple opportunities, opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. But yet time and time and time again, they just do not capitalize. Daryl is saying that you have to grind to win. If you want to be a playoff team, there's a lot of one-foot deals out there, not 60 to 70 footers. One foot, one foot battles, and you have to win them. And it starts with your top end doing that. Now, this is new to me, man. I like... I would just assume that a coach would say everybody's got to do it, but I guess it makes sense. It has to start with your top line, then your second line, then your third line, then your fourth line, your top D pairing, then your second D pairing, then your third D pairing. Like we're not seeing that. Like we're not seeing your, your top six and your top two pairings winning the majority of those battles in these tight games to push you over the edge. And I just feel like, this is now where this team is at. And if we want to go to another level, and we sure as shit do as fans, I know the, team, the players do, as long as Daryl hasn't lost these guys, and I don't think he has, you don't, you don't lose your team just because you lost a few games. The message is going to be clear to these guys, and this is what they need. They need coaching. This is what we've been saying for the last five fucking years. These players do not know how to get over the hump. It's not their fucking fault. No one ever told them. So I just think that you're probably going to see this narrative continue to play out. This is this has been the number one narrative that Daryl has been talking about is that it's a process for a lot of these guys. And this is what he means. And now you're starting to see the nitty gritty of it. You're starting to see in games like against Vegas against San Jose where you there's no way you should have lost that. You fucking allowed four straight unanswered goals. You blew a two-goal lead in the second period. Against Carolina, you can't find a way to score two goals when you had you you carried, you know, what you had more scoring chances. So this is the new threshold. I think this is the new talking point you're gonna see. Yeah, and I mean like shit dude, like I'm just like I 
I think you can ask more from everybody, but there's certain guys that you can ask a shit ton more from. I'm looking at you, Michael Backlund, Blake Coleman, <clears throat> Sean Monahan, Dylan Dubé. So we'll see where this goes. But Well, and you have to. I mean, if are you going to tell me this, this team is going to have playoff success? If Sean Monahan has three goals in fucking 20, how many games? 25 games? 26 now, I think. 20, if Blake Coleman, Sean Monahan, and Dylan Dubé combine for less than 10 goals yeah. through a, a quarter of the season, you're not going to have playoff success. This is not going to fucking happen. Daryl has also asked, hey, this is after Vegas. This is the best, If this is the best team in the West, because Daryl was saying it was, for your team to come this close, is, is that a positive coach? What do you think he said? No, we lost. We came here to win. That was the plan. So I am not concerned about this team because of who the coach is. They're not going to be fed some bullshit narrative that's going to help, that's going to cause them to lose games or go down the wrong trajectory. It's just not going to happen. Daryl was asked about Sean pregame, Vegas. Yeah. And again, he said it for Sean, it's not about work. It's about getting up to speed with today's game. <laughs> Boy, if that is an apt statement, I've never heard one before in my life. But I want to ask you, man, because is 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 Sean just a player that has absolutely 100% suffered from the previous coaching staff? I mean, look, it was, what, two and a half seasons ago against Bill under Bill Peters, 2018-19. He was lights out. And he has been falling off a cliff hard ever since. But we know that the coaching has been the worst it's been ever since. I'm just curious if he's – why else would he be completely nowhere near up to speed in today's game? Why else would he not be? Just due to, just due to injuries? Is that it? Well, his hips don't really work. so His hips don't lie, eh? <laughs> Goddamn right they don't. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's true that Monahan has been a victim of shit coaching for his whole career. Um, he's been utilized ridiculously poorly the past two years specifically. Um, and I mean, like, you just even look back to like, why was he even playing last year? Is that not a coaching thing? It's like, hey, coach, I can't bend down when my hips lock. Ridiculous. So, I don't know. How do you get him up to speed, though? Is he capable of that? Well, fuck. That's the big question here. I don't know. We're, I like, guess what? he was capable. I guess that's now three years ago he was capable of it. But that's what the do thing. You... We haven't seen him, like, even near that level for the past three years. What do you honestly think? Do you think he's capable? I don't even know. I don't know if he's capable anymore. Like not it's even been 27 games. Not even just like if he's capable and he'll do it is another thing. Is he actually capable? I would at this point I have to say no based on a sample size of what the last hundred games. <sighs> yeah. And I mean, this is where typically you're right if you look at the past. Right, because you're just going off. You're not going off emotion. You're just typically an intellectual 
because I'll, I'll sit here and say, no, I, I think he is capable because it's Sean Monaghan. Look at his fucking tenure, man. When, if you have it, you always have it. That would be my argument. But at what point? At what I don't point? know. Like, again, like, right at what point? Like, I would keep, we keep doing this with Monaghan. Like, I think over the last, like, what? We have almost exactly 82 games played over the past uh, few seasons. So Sean Monaghan has 13 goals in his past 76 games. Holy fuck. Like, dude. Well, I guess he's still on pace for what? 15, 15 goals. Sure. Sure. But that's what the that's not Sean Monaghan though. That's, that's not what... Sean Monaghan up to speed. No, but I guess if you're Daryl, you just want him to play up to speed with today's game and whatever you get, if he's up there, you're happy with, but he's not even up there, let alone well, scoring goals. Yeah. Like, is he even up there? Like I, what game was it? We were talking about last, last time he played a good game. Can't even remember. That but, was when he, he was paired with Coleman. Adam. Yeah. Well, and I think in San Jose, there were some shifts like this too, where it's like he looked comfortable with the puck on his stick. But like, I honestly, I watch him super closely in every game. And it's like every time he has the puck, it's like I, he, he doesn't, he, you could replace him with anybody else. And I wouldn't know the difference at this point. Like, I, I don't know what, in what manner Sean Monahan's impacting the game. He's sure. just like a non, he's an NPC right now when he's out there. I just, I don't know. Anymore with old Sean. He's got non-effect. All right. Okay. To wrap things up here, um, give me your overall thoughts on the uh, Vegas game. How disappointed are you with, with that game as a whole? Or are you okay with it? I don't even mind. Again, you get creamed, but I don't even mind that game, to be honest. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. If they, especially because they actually made a game move, they almost tied the game. If you get a point of that, I'd be fucking thrilled. And look, I know it's a measuring stick. Vegas is probably the best team in the West. Them in Colorado. So if you can beat them, yeah, it's even better. But given the circumstances, they look tired. I think they are tired. I don't think you're having full capacity flames in that game. I agree. I'm not even really that mad about that. What about San Jose? That one I'm way more mad about. Yeah, I'm um, kind of furious with that one, actually. Yeah, that one just really pisses me off. <laughs> because, again, you're tired, but you had it in the bag, and you played some really good hockey and then just uh, fell apart. So that one pisses me off. So then th- that what that means is this this Carolina game is a potential response game. Right. You go, you lose two straight. How do you respond? You're back at home for, for a response game tonight against the Canes. What do you, where are you at? Where, nah. where, where are you at with that? It was a game? meh. Like I said, I know everybody was like, Oh, they played really good against one of the best teams. It's like, well, if man, like given what just happened in the past two games, you, it would be, a, would have been nice to see a dominant performance tonight. And the fact that it was close is fine. But the fact that you don't find a way to win that is not fine. So on a scale of being pissed off, San Jose one, Carolina two, Vegas wide chasm three. Okay. Who do we have? Who's coming up next here? 
do we have Chicago? When do we have Chicago? We get the Bruins on Saturday. That's going to be fun. The Bruins beat the Oilers. Yeah, the only good thing in all this is that the Oilers are losing every night now, too. The Bruins beat the Oilers tonight 3-2. We kicked the Bruins' ass last time we played them. The Bruins aren't quite as good as they have been the last three seasons, but they're still – they're always going to – they're going to be good for a while still, right? And, I mean, fuck. Tomorrow – this is another response game against the Bruins. Are you going to lose – This is huge. Are you going to drop four straight? On home ice, and we haven't seen that yet. We haven't seen the extended thing that we're so like, uh, we've been uh, happy with this team for not doing. Where it's like two has turned to three, three turned to four, four turned to five. Fuck, we're out of it. Type shit. So this is a huge turning point game. Fucking huge! And then you go back on the road, Chicago, Nashville, back to back, and then you got Toronto back at home. Man, I mean, you, at this point, I think you just take it one game at a time. Yeah, and. Like, what else can you do? You got a tough schedule. Like, the schedule, there's no let up. Schedule is brutal in December, like, so bad. All right, final two points before we jump off. Hannafin scores tonight. Um, I've said this in a previous season. I think it was last season. If I'm Noah Hannafin, all I'm doing ever <laughs> is just shooting top corner. I don't care if it gets blocked. Because it gets blocked anyways. The only time this guy scores from the point is if he shoots top quarter. I said it before. Happened again tonight. And then finally, um, we'll close it with this. Your thoughts. Daryl Sutter pregame tonight. This was making its round. Um, talking about Lindholm as one of the best centers in the league. He says that he's – Daryl says that Lindholm is one of the best all-round centers in the league as close to Kopitar as you're going to get. Ooh, Daryl. I don't know about that there, but that's some high praise. That's some serious high praise. Like, I just remember, remember Jay Fresh when we had him on before the season? Yeah. I mean, he was pretty high on Lindholm. The thing is that, like, I have to see, like, Anze Kopitar level is a different level. And that's kind of always been, and again, I don't know shit compared to Daryl Sutter. But, I mean, you look at what Kopitar's accomplished in the league. Like, he's a Selkie winner who scored, like, 80 points, 70, like, every single season. Like, I think he had a 90-point season in there not even that long ago. So, um, I don't know. I, I, I've i always really liked Lynn Holmes' game, but I've always been, like, he's not – I think I've even said, like, he's not Bergeron. He's not Kopitar. The biggest difference, I think, is the level of clutch that you are, right? And well, yeah, and I think that the ability to, like, take over a game. Like, we saw that once at a Lindholm this year where he – he that Washington game where he was an absolute fucking beast, yep. scored three goals. But, I mean, even if he doesn't score three goals in that game, he was unbelievable. That's Kopitar. If he plays like that on a more consistent basis, yeah. Yeah, He's you can't, close to Kopitar. You can't do it a handful of games a season, and you sure should have to do it in the playoffs. But that's what I mean by clutch. I mean, who was it, Rutherford? We we broke down some sort of GM's thing a while ago as top keys of having a playoff performance. Yeah, I think game. it was the guy in St. Louis after they won, yes. won the Cup in St. Louis, uh, Doug Armstrong. Armstrong, that's who it was. Yeah. But he says you one of the things you have to have is you have to have game breakers. 
And I think maybe that's where you're distinguishing Lindholm really isn't there for you yet because he, he could be, if he starts to become more clutch, if he has the ability to, to be a game breaker. And I mean, that ties in with the theme that the theme of today's podcast and the theme that, you know, where Daryl's at with this team is this team as a whole. And that means individuals like Lindholm need to be able to find a way to break through these games where we just can't seem to break through. And then and only then can you belong in the upper echelon of teams like the LA Kings, the Chicago Blackhawks, the Pittsburgh Penguins, as well as players like Andre Kopitar and Patrick Kane and Chris Carter. No, Jeff Carter. <laughs> <laughs> back streets, back. All right. <laughs> <laughs>